That music means your next hour is going to be about connection. Welcome to This Show Is All About You, a show dedicated to discussing and experiencing the things we all have in common. When you and me become we and explore what it means for all of us. Here's your host, historian, writer, social commentator, and a whole lot of other things, J.D.K. Winnekin. Hello, everyone. Welcome yet again to another episode of This Show is All About You, a show that is about connecting and getting under the things that we normally talk about and debate and discuss to really get to those things that uh, maybe unite all of us despite all of our differences. Wonderful to have you here. If you're listening live, thank you so much for doing so. If you're catching this as a podcast, thank you so much for subscribing and leaving comments. And you can find this at uh, wherever you pick up your podcasts. You can also find out more about me at my website, wordsbyjdk.com. I'm also on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just look up my last name, W-Y-N-E-K-E-N, and you should find me rather easily. Would love to hear from you, chat about episodes of the show, take some suggestions, your thoughts, uh, you name it. And uh, this show is uh, generously sponsored by Airway Science for Kids, uh, a nonprofit based down in Portland that helps underserved youth uh, develop life and career pathways in aviation and aerospace. And you'll hear more about them a little bit later in the show, but you can check out the wonderful work they do at airsci.org, A-I-R-S-C-I dot org. And uh, I'm very excited for today's show. I have uh, two guests in, a a mother and daughter, uh, who I will introduce here uh, shortly. And we're going to talk about a really, really important situation that they're facing. Uh, I've mentioned in my social media feeds, it's not every day that a podcast episode can help literally save somebody's life. But uh, we're going to have an opportunity to help with that today, and that's why they're here to talk about that. So before we get to them, uh, let's uh, take a quick run through the news in a segment that I'm sampling out names. This week it's called, What in the World is Going On? A lot of things going on, of course, and uh, unfortunately we're going to start with a, uh, a sad milestone in the country's history. It's quite a while ago in the early phases of the outbreak, I was warning people that we could get up to 200,000 deaths. And I was criticized by many people as being too pessimistic. And look at that. We have five times the higher level that I said, and we're still not through this. That, of course, Dr. Anthony Fauci, the uh, the main medical advisor for the presidency, talking about the milestone that the U.S. passed last week of one million deaths due to COVID. Uh, estimates by the World Health Organization is that the, esti- that the number is actually much higher, both in the United States as well as in the rest of the world. And uh, the number is really staggering. If you think about it, uh, just for context, that, that number of deaths is the combination of deaths in the United States from World War II and the Civil War combined. And uh, unlike those two conflicts, unlike those two massive events, there are no massive commemorations. There are no places of mourning. There are no, uh, there have not been any big events of coming together. In fact, uh, the impulse seems to be for a lot of people to just push it out of our memory as quickly as possible. And uh, that's unfortunate because when we do that, it seems to me, we stop paying attention to the effects this is going to have. Because it's not just one million people who have died. It's millions of more people who have been directly affected and traumatized and hurt and their lives altered 
by the fact that this disease has run so rampant uh, in the United States. And so for me, my part in this is just to simply call a little more attention uh, to the fact that this is a bigger deal than uh, we want to make out. And so uh, sadly, the death, uh, the deaths will continue to go up. Uh, but at some point, some point, uh, a national reckoning with what just happened will need to happen in order for there to be healing, growth, and to move forward, because this isn't the last pandemic we're ever going to see. All right. So let's check out our second story for the day, which has something to do with uh, Vladimir Putin screwing up again. We have reached today an important decision in good cooperation between the government and the president of the republic. We hope that the parliament will confirm the decision to apply for NATO membership during the coming days. It will be based on a strong mandate. That is Sanna Marin, who is the prime minister of Finland, uh, speaking to the media this morning about uh, Finland's decision to uh, apply for NATO membership, to join the uh, North Atlantic Treaty Organization. Their next door neighbor, Sweden, is expected to follow. This is a really big deal in the sense that Finland and Sweden, of course, uh, nations that Finland, in case, borders on Russia. And uh, both countries have historically been neutral in the big conflicts between uh, Russia and the West. That is changing specifically because of Putin's decision to invade Ukraine three months ago. And despite Putin's saber rattling and a few other comments that he's made, there's not much he can do about this. But what's interesting and ironic and takes me back to my first comment when this all first happened was the very reasons that Putin went to war, at least from what he said in the first place, besides thinking everyone in Ukraine is Nazis, is he was worried that NATO was going to expand. He didn't want NATO to expand. Well, now he's getting the very thing that he didn't want to have happen. And I mentioned a few weeks ago, dictators tend to do this because they tend to operate out of a basis of fear. They start acting in ways that the greatest fear they have, they start acting in ways that start to make that actually happen. Right. And so it's something worth keeping an eye on because chances are NATO is going to uh, run that through really quickly. And within a year, uh, Sweden and Finland will have overturned decades of precedent and will have joined uh, joined NATO. And that means that pretty much from the Baltic Sea all the way down to the Black Sea, NATO will border Russian territory all the way down. That has never happened before. So it's worth keeping that in mind. Okay. Now, on a piece of good news uh, that is worth that is worth noting, uh, earlier this week in Poland, treasure hunters have found millions of dollars worth of gold, works of art, and other treasures that were looted and hidden by the Nazi SS during World War II. In the now Polish city of Rocklaw, which was known as Breslau when it was part of Germany, what has been known to history as the so-called gold of Breslau was found uh, by some longtime treasure hunters, but with the assistance of this fraternal organization, a Christian fraternal organization in the area, made up of descendants of the Nazi SS who gave information over to these treasure hunters as an act of repentance and an act of amends for the sins of Germany in World War II. And when I say a treasure, it really is. It's $245 million dollars worth of gold, valuables, and original art pieces by masters such as Gauguin, Picasso, and others. And now the challenge begins on finding the original owners of all of these uh, and getting them back to them. And they found it in the basement, buried deep in the basement of an old brothel that the SS used to use uh, during World War II. So while not a, not a good piece of news from where it happened, really good news that the, uh, the treasure has been found and will be redistributed. And then finally, my favorite news story of the week. In Palm Beach, Florida last week, a young man named Darren Harrison was hitching a ride in the Cessna 208 uh, with one other passenger and one pilot back from the Bahamas from a fishing trip 
when the pilot passed out at the controls. And the plane went into a nosedive over the Atlantic, and Harrison jumped over two rows of seats, pulled the pilot out of the seat, got the plane out of the dive, somehow figured out where to plug in a headset, called into the Palm Beach airport and said, literally, uh, we have a problem up here. Long story short, Darren Harrison, with the support of a, uh, a flight instructor who was on the ground at Palm Beach, a guy named uh, Bobby Morgan, Bobby Morgan coached Harrison through every step he needed to take to fly that plane and landed at Palm Beach Airport, and he did without any incident. And it's just an amazing story. So essentially, this guy learned to fly while in the air uh, and managed to, and Bobby Morgan called him the best student he's ever had, I mean, after that. And Harrison, for his part, when he was asked by local news media, were you nervous? He said, at the time, it was life and death, so I didn't have time to be nervous. But as soon as I landed, I knew I was okay. I had a panic attack. (laughs) I uh, can't blame him for that, but that that's an amazing thing. Uh, so that was my favorite uh, story of the week. Okay, now, so uh, one thing I like to do, as listeners of this show know, is when I have guests on, I like to talk a little bit about maybe something that's going on in their hometown. And this would be a time for me to introduce uh, my guests. It's a mother and daughter, as I mentioned. Uh, Maria Bartlow Reed and her daughter Monica Franks are are here to visit. Good morning, or hello to both of you. Shouldn't hello, say hello, hello, hello. Thank it's you good so to be much. here. Thank you so much. And uh, Maria, uh, Fairfield, California, is what I identified as. I guess your hometown. Is that fair to say? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I should have asked you a few more direct questions. And, and let that... me tell you, Fairfield is a town that I moved to ah. about four years, four or five years ago. Okay. I bought a house out there. But I am a city girl. I have lived in Berkeley, Oakland, San Francisco, Napa Valley. And then all of a sudden, I'm in Fair, Fairfield, which is a country <laughs> town. Yeah. You yeah. know, at night, the first night I, I slept there, I could hear cows mooing. Oh, man. <laughs> and I was not used to that. Yeah, you don't hear that in Berkeley. No, you don't. Nor San Francisco. San Francisco. You know? <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So really all over the Bay Area, yes. it sounds like. Oh, wow. Yes, yeah. And yes. Fairfield's about midway between the Bay Area and Sacramento, that's if I remember right. correctly. That's okay. right. Well, one thing, I'm just going to stick with Fairfield because that's what I prepped. <laughs> so, um, but one thing I noticed, they have the best events calendar online that I have ever seen. They do. They wow! Really do. You can count on something every week, every weekend. There's something going on. That's amazing. You know, and it's a small. I still think of it as a small place mm-hmm. uh, because they do have so many family things going on. Right. You know, there's parades, there's science, there's everything. Right. You know, you can walk, and it's so easy. You can walk to the parks. You can walk to the town, and you know, everything is right there. Uh, it's really amazing the uh, the on their their site that I will post on wordsbyjdk.com after the after the show has a plan on there if you want to do a progressive dinner through Fairfield it gives you the restaurants to go to and what order and exactly. what exactly it's amazing and then the biggest piece of news that I noticed in the last week or so there is that a bear wandered into town and started raiding people's doorsteps of oh what was there and I was like wow there's which not- is unusual yeah. I mean, that's really unusual. And that was probably the talk for the whole week that a bear came into town. <laughs> well, well, I was, I was pretty impressed. I didn't know much about Fairfield. Uh, and when I looked at it, I looked at their website, and it certainly seems like a town that has a lot of civic pride to it. They really are putting things they forward. They do. They yeah, do. That's amazing. So you do like it there? I, I like it there. Yeah. Yes. It's a great place to walk through. We have parks all over the place. Mm. I love walking my dog and... Wild birds, everything. It's it's really nice. That's great. Okay. Well, 
Okay. Well, thank you for rolling with me on that. I appreciate that. So, <laughs> so let's uh, let's get into just as a way of introduction. Let's we're going to talk about a few things today, but we wanted to wanted to start with what I know is really a, a point of focus, a, the big maybe the biggest point of focus that you have right now. Um, Maria is uh, the mother of several kids, uh, Monica included, and uh, has a son, and Monica has a brother uh, named Odin Bartlow, who is in need of a kidney. Uh, and this has been this has been going on for some time now. Yes, okay. it has. Yeah. So, uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about Odin's situation, what you're looking to do, and uh, we'll start talking about how people can get involved in this because there's more to this I think that people can do to help than people think. Exactly. Exactly. What Odin needs, of course, is a donor. Mm-hmm. He needs a kidney, and this has been going on um, for the last two or three years that my daughter and I have really known about it. He's been sick for a while, and he's the type of person that kept everything to himself. Okay. You know, if you call him, he's say, how you doing? Oh, no, everything's fine, Mom. How are you? And blah, blah, blah. But nothing really serious as far as to his life, you mm-hmm. know. Uh, he started going through mood swings and everything like that, and we couldn't figure out why. And uh, we talked to his, his wife, Valerie, who takes really good care of him, and you know, she, of course, went along with her husband and nobody said anything mm-hmm. until later on that we actually found out what was going on and that my son needed a kidney. So that's when doors started opening and his sister and I started looking for things that we could do to help him out in that, you know, and what we should do. I mean, this was all new to us. You know, you always think that these things happen to somebody else mm-hmm. or in somebody else's family. But when it happens to you and your family, it's like, my God, now what do I do? Mm-hmm. You know, so it's getting really scary. And Monica, she just really did her thing. You know, she contacted UC Davis, uh, told her brother that we are now interfering in his business. So just <laughs> butt out because here it comes. We're doing everything <laughs> that we can do. Gotcha. And uh, love was a big thing with us. So we really worked it out. Sounds good. Monica, what was that conversation like with Odin when you, when you told him this? Um, well, it was right before we had the, the interview with Stacy on her podcast mm-hmm. and, um, we told him, Hey, we're going to do this podcast to try to get the information out. And they're, they're like, no, we just want to kind of keep it. And I was like, nope, you, you can't talk anymore. No talk, no talking, no talking. <laughs> I was like, I was like, See, if you guys would have told us how, how um, serious? Yeah, how serious this was three years ago. We probably wouldn't be in this position because in the last year he's been in and out of the hospital, but much more frequent, and he had lost so much weight, almost unrecognizable, you know. Mm. And and I I was like, you, this isn't the time to pick and choose who gets to know this information. You have to get it out to everybody. Right. And so um, he couldn't give us many details. So then we started. We were like, okay, well, what's your doctor's name? And then from there, we took it, you know, and uh, went to the UC Davis Medical Center and talked to the transplant coordinator. And that's where she was like, oh, if you can get the word out publicly, we've had better results than, you know, just waiting. Because right now, he's been on a waiting list like three years, two months, and the average waiting time is five years, four months. Mm. So okay. Not sure if he'll make it that long if he has to wait that, you know. Right. 
Right. So there's even more urgency than usual. Yes, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Most yeah. Okay. Definitely. Well, and the and the Stacy reference is is for everybody listening is is Stacy Heller, who's the host of uh, several shows, including a show called Stacy Connects. Mm-hmm. And Stacy is uh, one of my producers, a friend, and is actually sitting in the studio uh, with us today. And uh, and I know Stacy, you've you've had conversations mm-hmm. uh, with them in the podcast. Uh, what comes up for you with this? That's that's as this has been mentioned here. Uh, I think there's a couple things. One, I think it talks about, uh, Maria mentioned that they're big on love. I also, uh, you know, these are, this is a family that they just get stuff done. (laughs) And, you know. I can tell. Yeah. And, you know, and I've had Maria on my show a couple times. Um, You know, you can hear her talk about her aunt, Tony Stone, uh, and what she did. If you're a baseball fan, then you'll understand. Mm -hmm. Listen to that. Uh, She also talked about uh, aging like you give a damn. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I love that that's something that was important. And, you know, uh, just that inspiration that, no, we're going to take care of this. And that it doesn't matter who knows Mm -hmm. and that this is a family that's always been in service to other people. And so the idea of actually asking for help, it becomes a pride thing. Mm -hmm. And yet that's what, you know, you need to put it out there when you need help. You need to put it out there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, this and that's why you're here. And that's why I was excited to have you on here and to have a larger conversation about not just Odin's situation, but what it brought up for both of you in, you know, just in your larger family dynamic. And of course, we're going to talk about that larger process of aging, you know, that type of thing. So how about when we come back after a break, let's talk a little bit about some specifics of what we, what we can do, what listeners can do to, to help out with Odin's situation. And then we'll just kind of keep going after that. Okay. All right. So we'll be right back on this show is all about you. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kids never have trouble dreaming about their future. The challenge is providing them the resources and opportunities to reach them. This is especially true from historically underserved communities. Fortunately, there's an organization that can help those dreams become reality. Airway Science for Kids helps underserved youth develop life and career pathways through exploration of aviation and aerospace. Using in-person and virtual programs, along with partnerships with companies, educational institutions, community health providers, and other resources, Airway Science for Kids helps students not only find their dream careers, but also learn how to better advocate for themselves and connect more effectively with their families, peers, and communities. To find out more, visit airsci.org. That's A-I-R-S-C-I.org. Or email info at airsci.org. Airway Science for Kids. Providing aerospace for all. All right. Welcome back, everybody, to this show is all about you. Uh, here with my guests, uh, Maria Bartlow and her daughter, Monica Franks, who are here talking about uh, Odin Bartlow, their son and brother, respectively, who is in need of a kidney. And um, it is a it is a, a very urgent situation. And so we're trying to get the word out about how uh, people can help out Odin. So let's get let's get to that. It's not just simply a he just needs a donor and we need somebody to match 
his kidney. There's a broader spectrum here of help that can that can be done for Odin. Is that correct? Yes, yes. We're trying to get the word really out there. We want people to tell other people, you know, just spread the word what this is all about. And actually to donate a kidney or to become a donor is a very, very easy thing to do. It doesn't take time off your job. You don't have to take months going here or there. Uh, even if you don't have the same blood type that Odin does, you can still be a donor. Oh. Yes, you can be a donor. And what this means, uh, well, you can probably explain it a little bit better. It's called the Parrot Exchange Program. So if you are if you don't match him, um, you might be matching somebody else who needs who needs a kidney. So then you get, you'll get matched with somebody else and... He gets matched with the person who's ready to give. So it moves him up the list. Right. Even if somebody does, gets a screening right. and they don't match Odin specifically, they could match somebody else. And if that happens. Mm-hmm. And that person matches. And that person matches. Matches Odin. So it becomes like that episode of Grey's Anatomy where there's like <laughs> four or six or eight surgeries happening at the same time. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I'll have to trust you on that. I'm sure my mom knows what you're talking about, but, <laughs> I, but I don't. I mean, it's just, it's like a thing where it's mm-hmm. like, okay. and so then- you know, you've it's mutually beneficial. Right. So you don't have to, while it's great for you to have a certain person in mind sometimes because mm-hmm. that can create like a, you know, like I feel vested. Right. Uh, however, don't be concerned about things like blood matching and, the, and those kinds of things. You see, that was new information for me that yeah. I, I thought blood matching would have to be would have to be something that yeah. was required. Originally, we thought, okay, everyone has to be old positive, but it's, it's not like that. So, you know, you just... You just need to go to this uh, website, the UC Davis Health um, Kidney Donor website, Living mm-hmm. Donor website, and fill out the questionnaire. And Stacy could attest to, you know, talking about that. And um, I think it's like less than five minutes. And and that first round right there will either qualify you or disqualify you. Right, mm-hmm. right. And I'll be posting all of these links that we're mentioning uh, later on wordsbyjdk.com. I'll do a show follow-up that you can link to, and all of this information will be there so that all of you who are listening uh, can look at that screening and take a look at these things yourself. It is amazingly simple, Maria, you said. It is very, very simple. You know, And what I want everybody to know is, um, again, with being a donor, once you decide that you're going to give your kidney, you know, if it doesn't match for Odin, it just goes right up the line. Somebody will get it, and Odin will get a t- uh, kidney too. Mm-hmm. So that's how it works. It's very quick when they do that. Wow. But it's just finding somebody. So we put an ad in, the, not an ad, we put a letter to the editor in one of the papers. Mm-hmm. It should be out sometime next week. Okay. We're hoping. You know, and we're just doing things like that to spread the word to get it out there. Okay. You know, and I want to thank everybody for their prayers and everything. I mean, I, I'm really grateful for that. But. Please spread the word for us so that we can get <laughs> some more action, help. Some actions to <laughs> yes. go with it. Yeah, yes. yeah, that would right. be helpful. We don't need the the chain, the prayer chain letter, as right. as Maria says. It's lovely when people are thinking of you and you're in their prayers. Okay, now hit that share button mm-hmm. because even if you yourself don't feel that you want to be a donor, somebody that you know may be willing to. And so sharing it from Facebook or finding the information and sharing it through whatever platform you have, all it takes is one. Right. Right. And it's I'm I'm fascinated by this. To me, the real bright light is is that the more people who engage in this, it creates better and better chances for Odin as well as for other people who need a kidney. It's we got two of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Exactly. So we can live with one. Exactly. Right. Mm-hmm. We can actually live really well mm-hmm. with one. Mm-hmm. Normal life. 
really, in a lot exactly. of ways. Exactly. I have a friend that was a living donor, mm-hmm. and uh, she was on my show, and she talked about it. Uh, her name is Margaret, mm-hmm. and uh, and two weeks, in, well, okay, Margaret is an anomaly because she's kind of like a, a party girl, mm-hmm. but two weeks after she donated her kidney, she was at a wedding dancing. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, it's like, mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's, quick. it's it's really quick. Yeah, and that, I think that's probably, um, you know, I was thinking about it myself, kind of reflecting, you know, on the possibility. I'm, of course, going to do this whole thing. I'm just going to tell you right now. I'm going to do the whole process and, and get myself screened and all of that. And because it is something that all of us can do. When you look into the process, it's very safe. Uh, you live a very normal life if you are a donor. Uh, you shoot and, to the top of the list. I know. Yes, exactly. If you donate your kidney, then you automatically, like... Pass go. If you, you collect one later. 200. Yes. <laughs> like you land on free parking. Yeah. Like you're If covered. you yourself need yep. one later. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 100%. Exactly. Wow. See, exactly. that's that's important too. Wow. Yeah. That's something to look up for. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Right. You never know. Right. You never do know. Uh, wow. This this is amazing. Okay. So, all this information, you know, don't worry, all of you listening, that you need to write all this down. All this will be available at wordsbyjdk.com as well as on my social media feeds. And Stacy and I will be teaming up to to get the word out to from all of our different uh, platforms as well. Uh, and we're going to come back to Odin towards the end of the show a little bit. So I want to hear a little more about Odin, the, the human being that you guys know, right? Yes. So that people can get to know him a little more. But let's uh, let's talk in in between then about kind of the effect that that learning this news, right, and having that jolt. I think as you mentioned, mm-hmm. it suddenly like, what do we do now? What was that like? What did that dynamic do? What did it do for your communication as a family? And what effects have, have you noticed for oh. yourself in, in your relationships with each other in a family with a health crisis hitting like this? It, at the beginning, we were all angry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we were just angry. We were angry at each other. We were just angry at the world. Um, why would something like this happen? What does it happen now? You know, there's never a good time for anything to happen. It's always... Right. out there. And then after we we kind of calmed down in that and found out who my son's doctors were and what was going on and how he was really doing and everything, my daughter and my youngest son, we all started talking about it. You know, that was a time when all three of us got together and said, what are we going to do? Mm. You know, how are we going to help? And we came through a lot of uh, different examples, a lot of nurses talking to us. And everything. Monica held that part. She was always calling and talking to somebody every day, trying to figure out how we can get out there. And of course, Stacy was just, you know, she's my younger sister by a different mother. <laughs> oh my gosh, are you kidding? I she's mean, my spirit animal. <laughs> I mean, she just came right across there, you know, and even though I don't see her all the time or anything, she's always in my mind because she was actually completing this application while we were talking to her. Yeah. You know, and these are things that people don't have to do. Mm-hmm. But it's overwhelming when they do it. Sure, you know, sure. You, you just can't get over that. Sure. So anyway, after Monica and Sean and I went through all of this, I think that we became closer in a different way, you know, as far as realities are concerned, mm-hmm. you know, because not everything is fun and jokes and you're having a good time. You know, sometimes these things just are on your head, and you every time you wake up, you're trying to figure out what to do today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, what's going to bring it up today? Yeah, and it's and it's like you said. I think probably a common a common experience people have had of who've had high health crisis hit is that it does feel like it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. You know, and and yeah. all the amount of time you know we might spend worrying about this over time, 
doesn't really prepare you for the moment right. yeah. where it happens. Yeah. So, so Monica, with that, you know, that communication as you got started talking as a family, what things, did you learn anything new in there as far as your siblings go, your family dynamic? What was that, what was that like? Cause that's a way to dig in deep. You start seeing, you start seeing everybody's sides. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, because they're, they're men, they always want to have the last, the last, you know, opinion on everything. I'm like, nope. You're listening to me now. Sorry, I'm taking over, and, and and I just didn't want to listen to it anymore because, on one hand, it's kind of depressing, you know, because you're like, you only know what you know, and but basically, the only thing you can do is get a donor. There's nothing else you can do. You can't like, you know, build a kidney and say, hey, here here it is, you know. So you know, it's been depressing, and it's um. You know, and then it makes me mad sometimes, you know, hmm. you know, because I'm always like, what have, should have, and could have, you know, I wish I would have known earlier, mm-hmm. you know, and, and then, you know, I tried and I wasn't, you know, accepted and my mom, she's had her thing, so she's not accepted, you know, so it's like, wow, you know, and same as my other brother and it's like, you know, so family has tried, but, you know, we're like. I think one of the things that um, we first did uh without was we had to cheer him up yeah that he, too he was really stressed out and there are things going behind his mind that he really wasn't talking about mm-hmm. you know and and we got to the point that even if if we were still upset we got to the point that when we were talking to him on the phone we wanted to be positive with him sure. you know and bring out some of the good things and just laugh about some dumb stupid things that right. we had done you know, to lighten everything up. And, but and at the same time, let him know, hey, this is serious, so you need to let us know everything. You mm. know, not hold back. You yeah. Know, it, it doesn't matter whether you're the big brother, you know. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, you need to let us know everything. That's a know? kind of a balancing act. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. The family dynamic is so interesting that in times of stress mm-hmm. and upset or whatever, how everybody sort of relegates to the role Mm -hmm. that they have or they perceive that they have. And so the idea of the big brother needing help and that stoicism. Yes, exactly. Big brother's supposed to be able to handle things himself. Exactly, Mm -hmm. exactly. And that's the way he's always felt. Okay. You know, but he forgets that he's my little boy. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And how's that going, Odin? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like... I mean, that's what I would say to my brother. Exactly. You know, like, how's that working for you? Yeah, yeah. exactly. How, how has he adjusted to that? Has he has he become more open? Has oh, he done yeah. what you've asked? Yeah. After we told him we were going to talk to Stacy, he actually got tear dropped on it. He was tear dropping on it because we had him on FaceTime. And <laughs> he was like, okay, okay, sister. Okay, sister. I got it. I got it. You know, and, and, uh, and then when we sent him um, her podcast, he was really happy about it. Oh, you good. know, but. Yeah, you know, we just had to humble him a little bit, you know, and just let him know that everybody's there for him. Yeah, yeah it's a, it's a scary thing, you know. I had a friend who who passed away a number of years ago, and and he kept he kept things hidden for a really long time, and mm-hmm. in a lot of ways denying it from himself, right? Yes. And, and by the time he went to get medical attention, it just it was just too late mm-hmm. uh, in the long run, as it turned out. And it's something that uh, from from a friend's perspective, I went through the same thing. Like, man, what if we would have known this earlier? You know, what what could have been done? All that type of thing. And uh, he didn't have the chance really to make that kind of a that kind of adjustment and honestly see that people would really step up to help him. Yes. If it came to that. And so um, 
Well, that's good. I mean, in that sense. So, so you feel like it's become a smoother it's process? It's become a smoother thing because, you know, we can really talk to each other, whatever it is, we can bring it out there, whether we like it or we don't like mm. it. You know, it, mm-hmm. it's there and it, it has to come out, you know. And I, I personally feel that's making him better. I mean, he, he looks better. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's almost becoming a different person from what he was before, just with our camaraderie. Wow. You know? Because we're the type of people, yet yeah, we are a close family, but we're all single people. I lived by myself for years. Monica has too. My mm-hmm. kids have. Um, you know, and we get along that way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just part of our nature. But when you need the help, then we're all there. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, a few years ago, I had a brain aneurysm, a double brain aneurysm. Wow. And, um, I she remember... doesn't do anything halfway, by the way. Really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> true. True. And that's just what I'm saying. This one hit. Not just right. one. Just... Yeah. <laughs> she's know? like, you know, like, I I'm mean... going to double down on this here aneurysm. <laughs> I, I couldn't believe it. I was driving home from work and I um, called my husband and I was on the freeway. I said, look, you know, I, I just really don't feel good. You know, I'm going to pull over to the side just for a minute, you know. And he said, well, do you think you can make it home? I said, yeah, I just got to rest for a minute, you know. Mm-hmm. And I did. I pulled off to the side. And then, you know, reality set in. Well, you can't just sit here on the damn freeway. Somebody's going to call the police and blah, 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 blah. So I turned the car back on and I just drove on home. And I remember when I came up to the driveway, the garage door was already open. And I got out the car and I went upstairs. And I said, I just got to lay down. I just got to go to sleep. And when I woke up, I woke up in the hospital. Oh, wow. And it was in Sacramento. And the next thing I don't, knew, my daughter was walking through my through the door. She had just grabbed the plane immediately and, and went up there, you know. And uh, my sons were calling and everything. It was just really a crisis. You know, I didn't think I was going to walk again or mm-hmm. any of that. And I still had things to do. I had a job. I had, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I had a house. I'm getting ready to to divorce my husband. I had already been the brave lady and said, you know, I really want to divorce now because there's other things I <laughs> okay, want to do. Okay, did you stay like a little bit longer since he got you to the hospital? He <laughs> did. He did. I mean, I, I we're the best friends now. I mean, yeah, it was... best friends. Honestly, his, divorce does that sometimes. Yeah. I mean, it was his insurance, by the way. Cause, I mean, <laughs> Thanks, great sweetie. Job, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, keep it was... real. I mean, this is the thing that I have learned about you and your family is that you are a practical people. You are independent. You are used to serving. It's just what you do. And, you know, you're like, I got to get it done. Got to get it done. That, that's what it was all like, about. Wow. You know, and I, I was so uh, blessed because I had two friends I worked with forever that when Monica had to go back, uh, they came to my house and babysat for me. You know, they stayed. They'd spend the night feeding my dog, help me get up and everything. You know, and just really took care of me until my daughter came back. They'd even take me to the mall because they knew my attitude. I, I was going to walk because I have clothes that I want to wear, you know, and I'm, I want to look good and everything. So I, I wasn't going to be in a wheelchair and I wasn't mm-hmm. going to have a cane. And they just put me through it. And then my daughter came down and she is an exercise nut, you know, and <laughs> She was saying, okay, mom, let's put the shorts on. We're going outside. Yeah, and this is how it worked, you know, and in no time at all. You know, the doctors were surprised and everything because I was walking, you know, uh, doing everything I'm supposed to do. Uh, the only thing that was off, and it's still off a little bit, is my memory, but, you know, 
I can still find my way home. <laughs> See, I, can't really, I can't really tell that. I mean, it, so so it sounds like, so this all happened before you were aware of Odin's. Yes. Okay, so yes. in some ways, Monica, you kind of got a practice round? Yeah. Not that, that, yeah. Not that a double aneurysm is a I practice. It was like a, about but, a year, year, yeah, about a year break before Odin told us at Thanksgiving <laughs> okay. So about a year before that, this happened. Yeah. yeah. Okay. A year after her aneurysm. Okay. Yeah, he told us that Thanksgiving time. And I was like, I would, I would yeah. think that that when something like that happens to a parent, that that is something that is a bit of a, as a shock to the system in terms of the the role reversal. We're used to the parent taking care of us. Yeah. And now, was that was that something that was difficult to adjust to for you? Mm-hmm. I mean, it was. Well. No, mom's okay to take care of, you know. Mm-hmm. Although I did say to her a couple of times, I said, wow, you're a little mean today. <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know? A little mean? Couldn't be. I'm like, mom, you got to get up. You got to get up, mom. Like, I'm like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> a little bit of a different thing. Yeah, a different thing. I mean, whereas when I was a kid, you better get up from that chair. And I'm like, okay, yes, I'm. <laughs> well, right. well, let's uh, let's take another quick break, and when we come back, let's talk a little bit more about about right right there that that idea of what was it like starting to care for a parent who suddenly needed that, and then also Maria for you needing to be to have some care, right? Because that shift yeah. responsibility is something that every family in some way, shape, or form, either faces or is going to face at some point in the future. So be interested in your insights on that. And then we'll have a few minutes at the end to talk a little bit more about Odin and remind everybody how they can help him. So we'll be right back on this show is all about you with Maria and Monica looking to help Odin. I'm Julia Cannell, Executive Director of Airway Science for Kids. We sponsor this show is all about you because it exemplifies our core values, connectivity, communication, emotional intelligence, positivity, respect, and the power of possibility. Help us introduce historically excluded youth to all of these through the wonder and promise of aviation and aerospace careers. Airway Science for Kids, providing aerospace to all. Visit airsci.org to learn more and to contribute your talents. Don't ask me to talk. Don't Ask Me to Talk is a program about sharing something good. Hosted by me, Stacey Heller, with my co-host and my mom's favorite, Eric Ryder, Don't Ask Me to Talk echoes what we're talking about when we aren't being so serious. We'll highlight what's good to watch, read, see, listen to, and more with a reoccurring spot with Vance Dingfelder of Dingfelder's Delicatessen called What Are We Eating? Tune in Thursdays from 3 to 4 on AM 880 KIXI. Welcome back, everybody, to this show is all about you here with uh, Maria Bartlow and Monica Franks, who are looking for a kidney for their son slash brother, respectively, Odin. Uh, and we're talking a little bit about what that experience was like learning that uh, that news about Odin's needs. But then also just the experience that I think is common uh, across the board for families of families aging over time. The responsibilities of who's taking care of whom and who's responsible for what changes and it's a it's a fundamental shift i think both for kids towards their parents and also of course parents towards their kids i know i'm facing some of that not to the same degree uh, that that has happened in your family and my family 
having those questions. And it's led to a lot of more open conversations with my family. But I'm interested in picking up there where we left off before the break in, you know, Monica, you stepping up into both situations, your mother's double aneurysm and your brother's situation, and just pretty much just saying we got things to do, right? That's a different shift and experiencing your mother in a new way. Maria, I'm interested from your perspective, what was what was that shift like for you to go from the caretaker, the mother figure running the show to this this changing dynamic? What was that like for you? Um, it was overwhelming. It was overwhelming because I'm used to doing everything that I want to do when I want to do it, and nobody tells me anything. Mm-hmm. She you was know. cranky, I'm sure. I, yes. <laughs> I'm like, Boy, I can tell just talking to you. Wow. Energy's popping I, across the desk. Right? Here. You yeah. know, see, all my life, I was the only child in my family. My aunts didn't have any children. My uncle was the only one that had children. And, you know, you never think that these things are going to happen to you. I've said that to you guys a thousand times, but you don't. You know, I didn't think that my aunts were going to get old. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't think that they were going to need anything because I knew them when they were young and they did everything and they were all over the world and all this other kind of stuff. Then all of a sudden, one day you get a telephone call saying, this has happened, you need to come, you need to help, you know. And then thinking about your own family and what you're going through. You know, you have kids at home, you've got a job, you've got to do this. You yeah. know? But somehow you've got to make all that work. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's up to you. Nobody else. It's just you. So you have to figure out how to do this. And Monica did the same thing for me. You know, she just dropped everything and she came, you know, and she was there for for me. And um, I am not a good person. You know, she comes. <laughs> You're, a good person. You're a good person. Not a good patient. Not a good patient. Yeah, not a good patient. Not a good patient. <laughs> <laughs> she comes in and she says, she, I love my daughter. I just really love her. I, I believe you. <laughs> you I know, know you do. Yeah. But sometimes she's just too helpful. <laughs> she, <laughs> too she, she's actually told me that helpful. before. <laughs> you know, she comes in and she she does things before I can do it. You know, she's, oh, oh, ma, what are you doing, mama? Look, th- this is how it goes. This one, this one, this one. Uh-huh. And I'm just sitting there looking at her. And my mind is saying, would you leave my room? <laughs> you don't reach across and slap her hand or anything like that? Room. Stop it. Like the other day, she was exercising, doing her PT, and um, and I was like, "Mom, mom," and she was like, "What?" And I was like, "You're not supposed to be doing it on the bed. You're supposed to be doing it on the floor on your yoga mat." She was like, "But I like it on the bed. It's easier." (laughs) I was like, "You're defeating the purpose." (laughs) (laughs) Why do we have to have this conversation? I'm doing it. This is the thing, you know. Why do we even have to talk about this? Just let me do my thing, and I'll let you do your thing. Do you want me to do it, or do you want me to do it your way? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But she is, you know, uh, when it came to the point of my medicines and things like that, uh, she was just really always on it, you know. Mm -hmm. And I used to wonder how she could do it, you know, make sure that mom got outside in the backyard to digging the flowers and stuff like that. She'd take me for a ride, and you know, we'd go to the nursery. She says, oh, Mom, I know you like these flowers. Let's just take them. We'd come home with a truckload of flowers, <laughs> and she just lays them down the ground and says, okay, you put them wherever you I want to I figured it was them. good PT if she, like, used her hand. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. wow, thinking through every possibility yeah. of every activity. It, it was everything that was going through her little mind about what I should do mm-hmm. and helping me, and, and she really has done it. Yeah. You know. was, was that a dip? When the time came for that. Was that a difficult thing for you to accept? Yeah, I didn't want anybody telling me anything. How is it now? You know? Is it better now? No. Well, I have learned. 
we can't. I wish that this she was like visual. Kind of, I know. I wish people like, could see the visuals. She just did here. like the, like the. Mm. Yeah, like the uh, like the somebody who's been caught doing something. Yes, like, yes, yes. She'll give me the look, and then I'm like, okay, I'm just going up to my room or something, <laughs> <laughs> or I'm going for a walk. And then she calls me cranky. I'm like, oh my gosh, right? <laughs> <laughs> something you know. Before I had the aneurysm, I used to call myself a. A smart person because I went to school while my kids were going to school, you know, going to university, trying to get my degree and just wearing all kinds of hats, you know. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, it got to the point that I couldn't think that well about things. Aphasia. You know, <laughs> and it just really, and I'd ask her something, and I know that I've asked her this before, and that's became the problem, mm-hmm. you know. Right. Why do I have to do this again? But I need to have the answer. Mm-hmm. You know, it could be something just really like, what did I ask you the other day? What do you call a chocolate cupcake or something? Or something. Yummy. It's a wafer or something. <laughs> you know. we. Oh, the brownie. The brownie. It was a brownie. And I knew it was a brownie. Right. But I couldn't think of Get it. Get there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it was like. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It, it was Dallas, those things Dallas from the aneurysms. Yeah, those those things were just um, very hard for me. Yeah, and you know, and then it got to a point where you know you you've got to stop fighting so much mm-hmm. and start to adjust to some things. You mm-hmm. know, and you've got to you've got other things that can make you happy. Sure. You know. Well, in the dialogue in your head, as a woman who is highly intelligent and fiercely independent. So then you're having a dialogue in your head exactly. about how do people think I'm dumb? Yeah. You know, and like, I can't exactly. do this. And so you have to almost get out of your head so that you can then accept the help, exactly. which is what you had to do yeah, or Odin has had to do. I, I would say things, you know, like, I, I've got a degree. I, I don't, why am I sitting here? <laughs> you Man. know? Yeah. I mean, I don't need to be sitting here. I've done this. I've traveled. I've. I read books. I do all of this stuff. And why do I have to sit here and listen to this? Yeah. Why do I have to well, ask for help? And why is this word not coming to me? Why when... is it not coming? You yeah. Know? And these are things that are, are very frustrating. You know, usually it's just me and my dog. We go for a long walk and talk to each other. Right. <laughs> right. Wow. He talks back. That's, yeah. that's fabulous. Yeah. He just turns around and looks what at a me. Dog. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Well, yeah, it's it, and I appreciate you guys both sharing so openly about that because the more I thought about it after we talked last week in our kind of discovery call, this really is a common human experience. You know, not necessarily Odin's specific case or your specific case, but those shifts happen in families where suddenly, you know, the, the parents are in a position where they need more care, they need more attention, they need, in some cases after a while, interventions you know, you know- to help them. Not to interrupt you, but no, this sure. is this is very true, and I think that most families, almost all of us, should really talk to each other to find out what it is, what we want, you know, in case of death or anything yeah. like that. Uh, if I get sick, you know, what you can do, or what maybe you should do, or what maybe you shouldn't do, and do know? it earlier. And do it earlier because yeah. at a certain point you start to get stubborn. I mean, I've had conversations where with my mother where I have said. Okay, so we're going to have a little shorthand. Are you being a diva right now or are you being (laughs) an older woman? Mm -hmm. Because my mother can like she can sort of be like, take care of me, which is being a diva. And then other times it's no, like I actually need you to take care of me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I'm like, I'll help you either way, but I kind of need you to talk to me about 
what is this moment right now? Right, exactly, exactly. Because if you don't talk about it, you don't know. Yeah. You know, and I have been through that with my aunts and everything where we never talked about certain things. So I didn't know, you oh, know, man. and then somebody passes away, you go into their house and you've got all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And you, again, you don't know. But these are things that should be brought out and it doesn't have to be brought out in a serious manner or anything like that. Mm-hmm. But just ask. You know, oh, this, yeah. is, this has been good then with Oda. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I can relate a lot to this. My, I've been having these conversations with my sister and my parents for a few years now. Mm-hmm. And it is a it is a sobering set of things when that happens. I'll never forget my sister and I sitting down and my parents saying, we really need to talk to you. And we're going, what's happening? You know, yeah. what's about to happen? And there was nothing bad going on. It was just a recognition by them that it was time to have these conversations right. about exactly. those things. And so it's been interesting, right? So we have our division of labor. Who's overseeing what? You know, who's exactly. who's making sure everything's up to date with, with them health-wise, money-wise, all of that. So anyway, I really appreciate that reminder because the, those conversations should happen sooner rather than later. So um, in the time we have left, let's let's shift this back over to, to talking about Odin a little bit. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons we asked Stacy to be here is because, you know, the very things we were talking about at the front end of the show, what what people listening can do. Stacy went and kind of went down this road mm-hmm. of of doing a screening and, and that whole thing. Um, there was something that I know you guys wanted her to to make sure she talked a little bit about. So, yeah, in, in I the think time the we have process. left, go ahead. I think that that process. So. If you want to hear my show, it's uh, Stacy Connects. You can find it where you find podcasts. The mm-hmm. show episode is called You Complete Me. It's from April 5th of this year. So on that show, we talked about this. I had my friend Margaret, who actually uh, was a living donor. She gave uh, somebody a kidney. It was not a match for her friend. However, the pair doning, uh, donating that you can do, she did that. And so had her on. And so you'll have an opportunity to hear what that's like. Mm -hmm. And then from my experience, while I was on the show, I was filling out the paperwork and it sort of felt like March Madness. I was like, oh, my gosh, I made it to the next round. And, Mm -hmm. you know, then I got a call and they did sort of the sanity test. And weirdly, I made it to the next round. (laughs) She was like, I am surprised at how sane you are. No comment. Right. I mean, she was like, you have the most random answers to these questions, and yet they're incredibly sane. Uh, and so I even got so far as to blood work. And, you know, that is donate blood. Okay. So I went in, and I had to do a urinalysis. I'm a woman. I can pee on command. And so sent those tests in and started to get the tests back really immediately. And the number of tests that they run to make sure that you are healthy enough and whomever the recipient would potentially be, that there's no markers there. So when I started getting some test results that had flags, I'm like, I know about sports. Flags are bad. They're like penalties. Mm-hmm. Um, and so unfortunately, it turned out that I wasn't going to be a good uh, match for anybody because I'm overweight. I drink too much and I don't exercise. And so I might need my kidney. And I'll tell you what, nothing wakes you up like getting extensive blood work done. And so, you know, the features and benefits of of going this far are that, yes, it's a real thing. There's a real consequence. As I like to joke, like, if I'm going to go out, at least I'm going to go out a hero, right? Hey. <laughs> um, and then I can donate everything. Uh, but it's it's paperwork. It's filling it out and just seeing, and you can say no at any point. And so... 
I would just encourage people that don't be afraid of exploring it. And at the very least, what you can do is share this episode. Yes. Fine. You don't want to do it yourself. Somebody that you know might be willing to. Exactly. And I am highly advocating for tummy tucks or liposuction (laughs) when you get... When you give a kidney. So I will work on that. No promises. Well, and I think that's that's the key because there's an opportunity here, it seems like, in this process of really leaning into finding out information about your own personal health, about where you stand, mm-hmm. which certainly by itself could be a wonderful thing 100%. to do for yourself. But it just takes that step of being willing to know uh, in that process. Okay, well, we have just uh, just a couple of minutes uh, here to, to finish up. And uh, if, if either of you could just share one thing about Odin that's kind of, you know, something that he likes, something, uh, you know, favorite thing, and then we'll wrap up. I'll tell you something about Odin. Um, he's the oldest child, you know, uh, the man of the family, and his downfall was chicken. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fried fried chicken. chicken. Oh, I have and a dessert for you. That <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. One, one evening, um, we had gone out. And I had left a chocolate cake and some fried chicken in the pan. And when I came in, the kids were asleep, and Odin was in the top bunk bed, and he was laying there with this piece of chicken like this. <laughs> hanging out. Hanging he out. passed out with the chicken. Yeah, bugs. passed out with the chicken in, in his not a, bunk Not a bad bed. way to fall asleep. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. But he would do things like that. He just... You know, if there was chicken around the house, he was right there on it, you know. I mean, who can't relate to that? So, (laughs) And he's a good cook now. There you go. All right. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Really appreciate it. Maria, Monica, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing about Odin. To all of you listening, I'm going to be putting things out on wordsbyjdk.com on how you can help and be a part of this larger process. And Stacey and I will be working together to get the word out for our social media feeds. So thanks for being here. Thanks for listening. I uh, want to make sure that I thank certain people. If you want to listen to this as a podcast, Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, you can, you can listen to it there. You can listen to episodes at my website. This show is all about you. It's produced and distributed by Hubbard Radio Seattle. Eric Ryder is in-studio producer, editor, mix master. The show is made possible by the generous sponsorship of Airway Science for Kids. Original music is by Dave Nelson of Lens Group Media. And special thanks for this episode and all that went into this week. Monica Bartlow, Monica, Monica Bartlow, Maria Bartlow, you know what I mean. <laughs> Tracy Franks, Julia Candle, Seth Moorman, the UC Davis Transplant Center, Antoinette Bernardo, Shaba Naj, Jackie Hang, Rich Coots, Quisp Cereal, my sister Ann Foster for telling me Quisp Cereal is back, Oscar Isaac for nailing the Moon Knight character, the 1991 Steve Martin movie L.A. Story, uh, Elena Abbott, Stacey Heller, Tawny Santabria, Katie Beck, Aaron Crema, thank you so much. And to send us out into the week, here's the haiku. Giving of ourselves to save the lives of strangers breaks all barriers. Chins up, everyone. Mm-hmm.